We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Rack and yak. It's time for What Mark Heard on Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid except me. Indeed. Time for our near award-winning segment. What Mark heard? Mark, what did you heard? Well, first I should uh, let people know that uh, what one thing we heard on Inside the Clubhouse today was that Eloy Jimenez in his rehab starts coming back from the pectoral injury will be the designated hitter today, but the plan right now is to have him play defense tomorrow, which suggests the White Sox might play him and in left field, still, when he returns, despite having had all sorts of troubles out there. Yesterday, <laughs> I heard White Sox broadcaster from NBC Sports Chicago, Steve Stone, on with the Bernstein and Rahimi show, Monday through Friday, 9 to noon, here on The Score. And he was discussing Eloy Jimenez in some very real, I don't know if you say harsh terms, but here is Steve Stone on Eloy Jimenez. The number one priority of this team is not what's best for Eloy. The number one priority of this team, Kenny Williams, Rick Hahn, Jeremy Haber, uh, Mike Shirley, who's getting ready for this draft, the number one priority is winning this year. And if Eloy is one of the tools to do that, then that's great. And if he's not, well, they're going to go after it and try to win without him because they're doing a pretty good job without him to this point. So that's where he has to understand where he fits in the grand scheme of things. Everything is secondary on an individual basis behind the team goals. Right. So you can want what you want, but it's uh, you, you best fall in line with a team that is really good. And before you react, Steve, let me, let me just play because these two cuts kind of go together. Here, here's Aloy Jimenez discussing the, the possibility of being a DH or playing defense. Here's Aloy. If they need me, and I do whatever, but I still don't like DH, so keep it in mind. Okay, he, he, he doesn't like it, but... <laughs> so keep it in mind. With what? Keep it, who's working for whom here? That's exactly Steve Stone's point, right? Right. And... Uh, you know, there, there's more to it. It was a really long cut, and, and we weren't going to take five minutes to play everything that Stone said. But, you know, I mean, he he has hurt this team with his defensive play and then has hurt his team by getting injured because of his defensive play. So I understand why he wants to play. De- I'm glad he wants to play defense. You know, like you shouldn't want to sit on the bench and play half a game. I get it. But just understand, and Loy knows this, 
he's going to make his money in Major League Baseball because he's a hitter, and it's never been because of his defensive prowess. I, when you walk that up talking about his injury and his return and, and setting everything up about um, he's going to be playing defense, and I, I just, in his return, I just imagine a baseball Henny, Henny Youngman joke. Doctor, doctor, will I ever be able to play defense again? Well, yes. Great. Because I never could before. <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what hit me. And, I, and he doesn't... Did, did Aloy sound to you like a guy that with whom the White, White Sox had fixed stupid? Can they fix <laughs> stupid? Does he sound like a guy who understands exactly what Steve Stone was saying? And the importance I don't of know. him being healthy? Like, he's just, I, I, I don't know anything. I can't read the, I can't infer anything from anything that Aloy has ever said because it's all in the same happy, smiley tone. So, <laughs> like, he's just seemed, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I don't know Aloy. Nobody really knows Aloy. He did, he did, because he, he's like Ernie Banks, right? It's just, he, he just says sort of the same things every time he talks and he does it with a smile and he does it in a fun way. And that's okay. But I, I can't, don't ask me to infer anything from what Aloy is saying. And, but but I guess we can that he says he wants. Uh, just so you know, I I don't want to be just a DH. But I, I do think I think it's going to be a case where they will occasionally play him on defense. But they I think the Sox obviously know that they can't do this. You know, three four times a week they can't. Right. I, I don't know what they have planned, but letting him go out there even once and risking further injury, should, I mean, this is like baseball malpractice. You can't do that. Maybe they're trying to humor him. Yeah, we're not making you a full-time DH right now. But but why not? What's best for the team, the way Steve Stone said it? What's best? We're trying to right. win the World Series. We're not trying to let you play at recess. You Not everybody gets to play every position. You do what we need. And and it's malpractice on the White Sox fall on White Sox part to let him go out there with a the glove because he's not in the best position to help you and you're supposed to put your players in the best position to succeed. How does Eloy Jimenez playing left field put the White Sox in the best position to succeed? Right. World Series teams don't develop players at the major league level and that's essentially what you'd be doing, right? I mean, they've had to do that. With you know throwing Andrew Vaughn out there, who's comported himself just fine. So, but yeah, typically that's not part of the blueprint. You don't just bring a guy up and develop him when a team has got serious adult business going on. And that's what the Sox do. Right. Um, unless there's anything else on that, Steve. No, no, no. Sh- shall we move on? Well I done, yeah. I would like to add that it is, it's getting maddening that Eloy. Like I mean, like you said, Grody. I appreciate that he wants to play the field. Sure. But, bro, you're not good at it, and you keep getting hurt. Just at some point, you have to realize it's not going to happen. It's like in Mean Girls. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Stop trying to learn to play the field and just go hit the baseball. And we're not even the, mad at you that you can't yeah, play the field. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, no, it's okay. We never wanted, we never expected you to. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You're just here. You were there to survive out there. But, you know, and I understand that this team is full of guys that can play DH. But you know what? It's a grand surprise that Andrew Vaughn's a pretty competent left fielder. So we, uh, there's, less, you're, there's less room to make at that DH spot. So it's just, yeah, that's that's all I want to say. It's getting maddening. Like at some point, you just got to say, "Listen, Eloy, you're not doing it anymore. Take the take the glove out of his hands." Yes, 
Yes. Okay. So let us move on now. Let's move on to a moment in the Cubs game yesterday. This was in the fourth inning. It's Cubs Cardinals. It's Luis Garcia pitching. It's Wilson Contreras at the plate. Here's the 0-2 pitch to Contreras. Look out. Contreras gets hit in the helmet. And I think he's okay. Contreras hit the deck. He's all right. He uh, talks to Molina, and Contreras is all right. He uh, is being looked at by the trainer. P.J. Mainville hustles out. So that it it looked awful. That's a 95-mile-per-hour fastball square in the head of Wilson Contreras. Pat Hughes called it perfectly because Wilson Contreras was okay somehow. You know, he managed to stay in the game. He never did leave for the game. And so that's what it was. But watching that, my first reaction was, get this guy out of the game, Luis Garcia. It's an 0-2 pitch. I get it. He, he, he was not trying to hit Wilson Contreras in the head. I don't even know if he was trying to come inside. And that almost makes it worse. Because if you got a guy who is that dangerous out there on the mound that he hits a guy square in the head, I think there should be a rule where a pitcher is automatically ejected for that. Like That, that has to be a penalty beyond just the guy trotting to first base like that's just it's and, and to you know he, he was gone after that Flash inning Banner. was Luis Garcia but I I think there needs to be something implement like as long as we're doing all these rule changes trash guy Banner. hits you in the head get him the hell out yes I can't hear it Steve now can I can now I did I, I lost oh. it I tried to redial I tried to get back oh my god okay wow oh, okay. did you hear, did you hear my diatribe or did you hear I, any no, of that I didn't no? I, I'm okay. sorry oh, I was Jesus. a good mark well, I thought it was right. pretty good <laughs> could we, not, we just uh, redo the whole thing Steve then heard. <laughs> sure okay so I'll give you the the thumbnail version we're talking about Luis Garcia of the Cardinals hitting Wilson Contreras in the head with a 95 mile per hour fastball yesterday and I'm sucking there is that, and I think that pitchers that do that should be ejected from the game immediately just for the safety of everybody, and if a ball gets away from like he like I said, he wasn't trying to hit him. It's an 0-2 count. It's Cubs-Cardinals. I don't, I don't have like any intent. Like, I don't think he had intention at all, and Luis Garcia might be a great guy, but guess what? That's a dangerous player right there. Get him out of the game. And, and luckily, the manager did eventually take him out of the game. He didn't stay in. But I, I just think so in regards to that, you you can't leave a pitcher in there who hits a guy in the head with a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. So he, it is, dangerous it, it's the head. Game. That's where you're, you're – Yep, yep. If, if, whether by yep. accident or by intent. Right. Yeah, I don't think he had intent to hit him. I, I really don't. Like, I got nothing against Luis Garcia, and uh, I really – I don't even know if he. I don't know if he tried to throw inside, and that's what makes it worse. Is that he had no control. If you have no control to the point where you're hitting a guy in the head with 95, get him out of there. Well, that's part of this. Somehow they're going to wrangle the whole sticky stuff argument to be about. Well, that's that. fine too. And then yeah, I mean that's that's cool. Steve, I don't know if you saw yesterday on the Twitter when Grody tweeted this 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 take. Uh, one of the responses he got was, "This is the worst take on Twitter today." So that's that's where Twitter stands on the matter. <laughs> where do you stand at it, studs? I'm with you. Like I, I, 
maybe not quite like that. You know what? Yeah, I do agree with you. I, yeah. I, it just like if you it's it's too dangerous. And I get that there was an intent. But, you know, I mean, come on, man. He could have really been hurt. I mean, obviously, they wear, wear helmets for a reason. Right. Yeah. And it, the helmet did its job. But that doesn't mean that <laughs> it doesn't mean like, yeah, you're right. Like, hey, all right, buddy, you're out of here. Like, you can't like just yeah, automatic, you know what? And get it, out. He's having a he's having a bad day. It's like it's like a, a basketball player falling out of the game. I mean, there has to be something more to it. There are there have to be some sort of ramifications for that. And somebody three one two totally ridiculous. What if it's eighty five? Yeah, if it's eighty five two, that hurts as well. If he gets him in the <laughs> face, you know, it yeah. still hurts. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, mean, I think it's, you could take just... a you could take a message you could take a note and a rare <clears throat> spasm of hockey knowing what it's doing. Any stick foul to the head could be a, an ejection. It certainly is a penalty. You get your stick yeah. up around a guy's face. You you you. I, I think you should be ejected. But sometimes the game moves so fast, and you might have had you might have the the, the stick might have been aimed at his you know, cross check his shoulder and suddenly he ducks down he tries to get around and he hits it with his head but clearly when you're targeting the head you're gone that's it football yeah if you're targeting the head in college they'll throw you out now they've done a yeah. bad job but they didn't they've necessarily mean overboard. to do it but yeah you, you've got there's to go. no you got to go there's there's no reason not to throw out first of all it's gutless to throw at a hitter and and it's gutless, and it's not fair that hitters get to wear all of that armor up to the plate. I just think that's crap. Take everything off your arms and your elbows and your hands and all that, and if a, and then go ahead and lean over the plate. I dare you to. And if a player throws it, a, if a pitcher throws at a player's head, you're gone. It's just that simple. Yeah. You can't right. duck into it the way some guys would want to duck into it. Oh, look, I, you threw up my head. No, you didn't. You, you were you started at five eight, and you ducked down to you were four foot eight. So we're not counting that. But I think ultimate bottom line, I think you're right. And I and we've seen other sports take that seriously. And I just think the whole idea of of hitting a, you know, when Ozzy wanted to throw at Donaldson, right? Wasn't that Ozzy's yeah. response? You were oh, on yeah. my team. You know, I'd, sure. That's gutless. The whole idea of throwing at somebody. Yeah, is gutless. It's, well, it's right. even even eighty five. Like that's a changeup. All right, Texter, you can stand up there. and We'll throw eighty five at your ribs. How you fix for that? Yeah, and and I know a lot of the people that came and some people are calling me soft on Twitter yesterday. And I think that it's more of a higher concept with people like they don't want more rules. And I get that because I know that that gets that gets really exhausting when we're changing rules and we're doing things. But I don't know. Like I said, like but uh, the, there are. There are ramifications for physical penalties in in all sports, and I think that when you get hit in the head, it should go beyond a guy getting to take first base. It has to be in a jet. Hey, sorry, kid, you 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 don't. Something's very dangerous about the way you're throwing the baseball today. Mm-hmm. You, you know, not going to get fined anything like that. You can pitch tomorrow, but for today, goodbye. Now, we have a texture, 815 texture, says it's a byproduct of the sticky stuff band, LOL. Well, that, that seems to be a, a teaching moment. If it is, indeed, a byproduct of the sticky stuff band, then you're going to have to learn how to pitch. 
not just throw as hard mm. as you possibly can for as long as you possibly can. You're going to have to learn how to pitch. You're going to have to learn how to think. You're going to have to learn how to take stuff off your pitches and not just the sticky stuff. You're going to have to put it back on. You're going to have to spot it. You're going to have to become a pitcher. You're not going to just be able to throw 100 miles an hour wherever it goes because that's what you did. You're going to have to learn something. I think that makes you a better player. It might take longer to get to the majors than just being having a power arm. But you know what? You, you'd be a better player when you get there, and that's what the majors should demand. Yeah, and I think it was Tory Hunter I heard on with Parkins and Spiegel, and he said something to the effect of, I don't want the pitchers to not have any kind of sticky stuff or any kind of grip because of stuff like that. <laughs> like They don't want to see pitchers come out wild and frightening as Luis Garcia was yesterday. I have no idea if it had anything to do with the sticky stuff. Probably not. It just seemed like it, it got away from him. And like I said, that, probably the, innocently. Doesn't matter. The pre- but the premise of that is is all wrong. It, it, pitchers are not entitled to just rear back and throw as hard as they want wherever it goes, and I need sticky stuff to give me some control. No, you are responsible hmm. for your arm. You're responsible for where your pitch goes. You're you're not give you don't get a free pass. It's just stupid that presumption. However, Tory Hunter said it, and it is not aimed at him. But there are people who say that, wow, this gives them this gives them control. No, you're in charge of your control, and no one guaranteed you the the right, the inalienable right to throw 100 miles an hour no matter where it goes. That's crap. You're responsible for becoming a professional at your job. And now the profession says you're not going to be able to do it with sticky stuff. That doesn't mean you're guaranteed throwing 100 miles an hour or even 95. You don't have to. Kyle Hendricks showed you you don't have to. You become a pitcher. That's what you're forced to do. Okay? That's the way it always, you know, seemed to be. I, I, The idea that you should... You should be guaranteed the right to throw as hard as you can. You know, if you can control it, throw it. Be that way. But if you can't, have a seat. Right. And to the the 206. I know it makes people feel good to to call people soft. I get it. I hope that that was satisfying for you. But you would be, you'd have a puddle coming out of your pant leg if (laughs) if a ball came high and tight to you. But I do hope you feel better. I know that feels good. I watched a video it was like a TikTok video of like the perspective of someone the 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 from right behind the catcher perspective of someone taking a hundred mile an hour fastball. And I don't remember if it was high inside or and it doesn't matter where the ball was. It was terrifying just to watch. Like mm-hmm. let yeah. alone stand in the box against that. So yeah, if you get anywhere near my head, I'm gonna think, yeah, you know what? I'm sure you didn't mean to do that, but maybe get out of here and learn and throw the ball over the plate. Yeah. Yeah, if you're, you know what, or or if you get hit in the head, you should be allowed to throw the bat at a defenseless pitcher. <laughs> right. Sorry, I wasn't trying to do that. Bat just slipped out. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry, well, yeah, I, exactly. I'm trying to throw like, this bat at you. <laughs> Does let it me, go the other way? Well, like Addison old, Russell used me, to always do. Addison Russell should have probably been ejected. <laughs> yeah. Remember he used to do that people. constantly. He would just fling the bat. It was like that every was bat. He's losing yeah. the bat. Like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. Yeah. They have a seat, Addison. Right. Yeah. I think, okay. Give, I'm, I'm gonna throw a bat at him. Give me old Betsy. She's 
She's 44. She's a 42 by 44. We're just flinging this thing. We're throwing, <laughs> we're throwing, we're throwing a, a, a tree trunk at you. Should we take a break and come back with more of what sure. more occurred? Let's All do right. it. Let's do that. So, well, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully I can stay wired in for this. So I'd like to hear. I'm sorry I missed the rant, but I'm looking forward to... Don't be soft, to, Steve. Stop being you know, soft. I, mean, I am. Yeah, I am. I'm sorry. I don't want to be soft because yeah, we don't want to be soft. We want to be no. able to... We want to be able to take 100-mile-an-hour pitches in the head because that that makes, yeah, that's baseball. Lenny that's Dykes, we're nails, man. Nails. <laughs> nails, bro. No. no, I'm meringue. I'm freely admitting it. I'm Steve Rosenblum. <laughs> Mark Grody. <laughs> Soft, strong, tough, whatever. Soft. Soft. Yeah. Okay. Chicago's Sports Radio is like 70 to score. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. All right, we got another member of the uh, Saturday Suckage Club, Don Koopa. Don Koopa. Welcome in, welcome back. Saturday Suckage, of course. So Pitching Ninja was uh, sent out this video of Michael Kopak from last night, and he said, Kaying the side with complete filth. And I'm thinking, Trash Panda's dad would have played in a band named Kaying the Side with Complete Filth. That totally. sounds like something. Yeah, that sounds like something. Yeah. I could see it. Yeah, Actually, just one word, filth. That'd be a great name for a band, wouldn't it? Just it would filth. Be. Yeah, like there we filter. Go. Filth. All right. Uh, we are continuing with our near award-winning segment, What Mark Heard, here on The Score. Mark, All right, let's continue on with uh, the Cubs and specifically Jed Hoyer. I know we talked a lot about this in the first part of the show, but let's hear it actually from Jed Hoyer's mouth. Jed, of course, the president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs. And let's hear him try to discuss why this isn't or this. He says this isn't like 2012 and that rebuild. Listen to Jed. Every situation is different. And I think that um, you know, we're in a different situation now than we were in 2012 and so um, the decisions we're making the processes we're going through are, are completely different so um, I think that that yeah that label is certainly something to be avoid avoided I think that people will talk about rebuilds when when you're doing what we did in 2012 um, and like I said we, we are going to have roster turnover um, we need to, we need to do that that I think like I said that was inevitable you, you, you control guys for six or seven years and you know you know that it doesn't last forever um as far as that 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 initial club control so we'll have turnover but yeah i think this is this is certainly not um a rebuild by any kind of definition that we'd be using from our past i mean he's right with some of that in that like the actual physical structures in which the the cubs worked including wrigley field to their minor league facilities were complete garbage and the way they did business was bad so those are things that they will not now have to literally rebuild in this particular portion of Chicago Cubs baseball. But, you know, the, the cupboard was dry then. It's not like the minor league system is particularly fortified right now. You still don't have any starting pitchers this side of Kyle Hendricks and occasionally Zach Davies. And if you're trading your core guys, uh, it is different, but not that different. I, I, whatever his barometer is, I, everybody's got their different connotation of what a rebuild is. And right. you, we talked with Gonzo, and you had mentioned it earlier about the, well, do they have to lose 100 games, and that's the official rebuild? That's the scary R word 
I don't know if you're trading guys who are your core, your World Series heroes, and nothing so immediate to replace them. And your last deal showed you're okay. We're trading our the, our Cy Young runner-up, and we're getting four guys that you got to take the Dairy Queen after a game. Then it kind of tells me you're rebuilding. You're not yeah. building for next year. But who knows? You could again. You could trade these guys and re-sign them if suddenly money springs loose. If suddenly the Cubs, as Tony Andraki said earlier, um, he writes for Marquee, covers the Cubs for Marquee, that Marquee becomes a profit center like they envisioned. And suddenly you can trade Javi Baez and then re-sign him. Okay, well, then you've got prospects and you lost him for two months of a season you'd given up on anyways. That's, that's fine. So I guess... You could say it's not a rebuild. You can you can be Jed and say we're not we don't like that word. You and I can look at it and say this this sniff smells like a rebuild. I guess until we see what they do before the start of next season, we'll we'll wait to see to label it till until then. I guess. Did Jed Hoyer ever give? I'm, I'm thinking back now. Did Hoyer ever give a any? Well, or what was Jed Hoyer's explanation for the the U Darvish trade? Because if that wasn't like the first move in a rebuild, then it was a salary dump, right? So e- either are things, both are things that they would not want to admit. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember how we he have the audio. Jed Hoyer it. Darvish deal was not about finances. So what you guys want that? <laughs> yeah, what was it about? I I don't yeah. remember. All right, well let's find out. Sometimes you have to make really hard decisions in, in these jobs and you have to do things that maybe in the moment you know, aren't as popular. And I, and I think that that's fine. You know, so I look at it like, you know, I think that, you know, when we've been lauded, oftentimes it's been, um, that's been scary to me. And, uh, and so I, I'm really excited about the return. Like I said, I think we got, uh, are able to really, um, you know, jumpstart our farm system in, in, a, in a big way. And, and we're excited to get those guys in our player development system and work with them. So you know, as far as financially motivated, you know, that, that was, wasn't the focus. I, I do feel like, you know, in this uh, environment and really in every transaction you ever make, I mean, this is a, a business and, and we always have an eye on the finances of every deal. I've, and I feel like, you know, in 2020, obviously uh, some of those things are, are magnified, but you know, that, that was not the focus. The focus on, of this deal was to, to try to, uh, you know, move a player in the second half of his contract and, and try to uh, acquire a lot of young talent. Like I said, we don't have many opportunities to do that. Look back on the last six years, like when have we had a chance to replenish in any way? And, and this was an opportunity to, to do that. And, and we took it and we're excited about what we got back. Liar, liar, plants for hire. No, I mean that's rebuilding, replenishing. So he's talking. If if it, and he said it's not about yeah. finance, it's about mm-hmm. replenishing, which is about rebuilding. So I'm glad of I got. Of course, it's about finances. You get out from under a contract in the second half of a contract. He said that. Yeah. Which one would they prefer to admit? <laughs> yeah. Just, Later, it's, I mean, it's, they it's don't want to admit of, either. It's oh, a load of crap. I, but whatever uh, they did it. There's and, no. It yeah. doesn't matter what we call it or what he calls it. It matters what they do with it. So we'll see right. what happens. I got one more cut, and it's Jed Hoyer, the last Jed Hoyer cut, and that's him. What What's going on? What, what are you doing? What are you up to in this process? I've been talking to teams for the last month, so I think that, you know it's probably pretty consistent. So, yeah, I've, I mean, I've, at this point, I've pretty much talked to everyone. And um, I think with the draft coming up, there was a lot of chatter prior to the draft, knowing that, like, this is a busy period, you know, working through the draft. And... Yeah, I'll, I'll be on the phone a lot in the next three weeks. Well, the draft is your territory, Steve, so I, I won't step on your toes uh-huh. on that. But, yeah, that, that's 
That's right. I mean, that's the way. What did Gonzo say? A top what player? Top 75 the, player. Top 75 player is what they should allow for if they were to trade Chris Bryant. A top set, not a top 10, a top any, anybody in the top 75 they should not turn down. So that's a lot of that's a lot of calls. It is, and and when he says that a month ago, he was calling likely to improve the team, improve a team that was in first place. Now he's not. So those phone calls have changed when he calls says he was talking for the last month because a month ago they were faking like they were good. Don't so, you think that a part of this, like some of this was made easier for Jed Hoyer? He's never going to say that. And it probably yeah. has been agonizing to lose an 11 in a row, but something definitive happened as, to, as opposed to being a middling, like, you know, two games out or one game in front or whatever the case. Like that, that was more complicated than this. At least there is something definite that has happened that we've, we all see and that Jed Hoyer admitted that, that he sees too, that two weeks ago they were talking about buying. Were they? You know, or, or was like quietly and privately is Jed like, okay, this is kind of what I thought. We have something definitive now, uh-huh. and now we can move forward that the fan base will get it. I feel better about it. Everybody kind of, while it sucks and nobody liked it, and it was agonizing to lose 11 in a row, or was it 12? Um, now we know what we have to do, whereas before you didn't. Right. Before he was swerving, all, the team was swerving all over the road. Now they've got right. an off-ramp, and they, they they chose the let's make a deal off-ramp, and here we go. And he opened, you know, they're open for business. Let's start a bidding war. What am I offered for these guys? That's the way he's choosing to do business. But you're right. It, it clarified things. They picked a lane, and they, that lane sucked. That's where they are. Mm-hmm. So now that's you know. what he's doing. I don't, I, you know, what he does with it, I don't know. And I don't doubt that he's been on the phone with a whole bunch of teams, but those phone calls changed. That's what wasn't said because he was seemingly looking to buy, improve. What can we do here? How do we maintain this? But even when they were in first place, I know we talked about this on the show, their record was fourth best in the NL West. So you were yeah. a first place team in the Central and you would have been behind the the top three teams in the West. So yeah. That's yep. not. There's that thing. Yeah. Yeah. The Giants, the, all of California. You're behind all of California. The Giants, the Doyers, and the Padres. And you were in first place, and your record was worse than the entire state of the National League state of California. So right. I, I think right. you're right. He knew what he had. Yeah. And he was surprised that they weren't that team earlier. But they showed it, showed their hand in time. You know, imagine if this happens April or August 2nd. Oh, my God. Right? Oh. You didn't do anything? You tried to oh. improve it? And like, oh, now we prove we right. really suck. Right. And that, that is why Hoyer can lament it all he wants. At least he knows the, biz- the, the business model has been created for him. You can get on the phones. Patrick Wisdom can hit cleanup for you. And there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Ryan LaHare, all-star. Yeah. Okay, I mean, that's <laughs> what we're talking about. When David Reagan come back, we have a little bit of, uh, we're going to share some things. We're going to sort of split up the what are you doing Wegner duties. And Jed Hoyer was on with Lawrence Holmes on Friday, and it was there was part of it we want to bring you. I know you've heard a lot of Jed today, but it's, it's an interesting way to present it when he was just one-on-one with Lawrence Holmes. So, what are you doing? Wagner is next. We've got uh, we've got that for you before we close out the show at the top of the hour. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckage. 
Of course, we've proven it again. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. What are you doing, Wagner? back we're back stevie sunshine you with us i was sorry made a pit stop welcome in welcome back steve rosenweiss saturday suckers look we're going to tell you i know you uh, gotta do what you got to do in this world yeah right you do and i did um and what are you doing wagner so we talked about it last monday when we did our uh our five-hour suckathon yeah the tampa bay mayor called her shot she was saying, as the Lightning had taken a three-nothing lead in three games to none lead over the Montreal Canadiens, if the mm-hmm. if the Lightning could just give the Canadians a little bit of a break, then the Lightning could come home and win the win Game Five and win the Stanley Cup on home ice. And that's exactly what happened. Montreal won a game, and all the fans were happy in uh, Montreal and. They won the game. They won game. The Lightning came on to win game game five, and they won the Stanley Cup. They went back to back, and the star of the whole thing, in case you missed it, Tampa Bay winger Nikita Kucherov with a he, he shows up shirtless, championship cap backward, big smile, clapping his hands, raising two fingers, ordering people to fetch him champagne and this was some of the highlights of his post-game presser or not boy this is good this Lightning. is good stuff we have nikita kucherov media please Bye, raise baby. your hand if you have a question we'll start with joe smith the athletic joe let's hear it <laughs> Just, let's uh, go, how would you describe your congratulations uh, how would you describe your emotions right now after doing what you guys did i, I, I don't know what to say uh Back to back, and yeah, I I couldn't sleep for three nights, you know. And to be able to win this game is huge. Wasi was outstanding, MVP. I was telling him every day, Wasi, you MVP, you you're the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas, the Vezina. And then last year they, they gave Vezina to somebody else, number one bull, number one bull. Wasi took. <laughs> it's hockey, baby. I love that number one bull, number one bull. It's just, it's just great, and um, and he's right talking about uh, Vasilevsky. Kucherov himself could have won the Conn Smythe. Anyways, that was that was the highlight, and uh, and the shirtless Nikita Kucherov with the uh, post gamer post game presser for the ages. This is hilarious. I, I another Steve Steve Stone told a great story yesterday in regards to Steve you know that Steve Stone used to work on Monday Night Baseball on ABC right oh yes that's where I yeah it's where I remember him on um, him and Howard Cosell next to each other that's what I remember yes and Al Michaels too so Stoney was on the score yesterday was with Bernstein and Rahimi and he told the story about the complications of working with the great Howard Cosell, and his friend in this case was Al Michaels. Here is Stoney. Enjoy. So in the production meeting before that game that I did in Boston, 
I was talking about the platoon of the left field, Rick Miller and Reed Nichols. Reed Nichols, a right-hander, Rick Miller, a left-hander. And later, a and White Sox pl- outfielder, Reed Nichols. Yes, yeah. and they, they platooned them, and that was one of the first, like, everyday platoons they had kind of deal. And I told the story of Joe Torrey talking to me as when I was a player, when Joe was with the Mets and I was a, a player with the Cubs, uh, the Mets manager was a guy by the name of Joe Fraser. And Joe comes running by, and he says, taps me on the shoulder because I played against Joe uh, when I first came up with the Giants. And he goes, can you believe I'm not playing today? I'm not playing because you guys are throwing a right-hand pitcher. He goes, I got 2,500-plus hits. You think I got some of them against the right-hand pitcher? <laughs> I said, I said, Joe, I think you got a few against the right-hand pitcher. I believe you got a few against me. So, yeah, um, I think uh, sometimes the platoon system gets carried away. And I told this story in the production meeting. So now we're doing the ball game, and all of a sudden they flip-flop. Reed Nichols, he leaves. Rick Miller comes in. And Howard goes, reminds me of the time when then-manager Joe Fraser was, and he tells the story. Your story. (laughs) He tells my story. And then he goes, Steve, what do you think about that? And I just said, nice story, Howard. That was it. I mean, you know, and then I learned that, you know, if I want to, if I want to have one of these, you know, to myself in my research and everything else or my history, I would keep it to myself if I were around Howard. So that's that. That's what I learned. And Al Michaels had warned Steve Stone of the complications of working with Howard Cosell for those very specific things. Oh my God. That is a great story. Howard Cosell was a, was a kingmaker yes. because of Monday Night Football and right. whatever he whatever he deigned to do. And there you heard such exasperation from from Dandy Don Meredith, who and and he's surrounded by athletes. Dandy Don and then the GIF replaced Keith Jackson on as the play-by-play guy, and it was it was such a thing. Howard became a big thing because bars would show Mm -hmm. Monday Night Football and allow you to throw a brick through a TV when Howard came on. (laughs) You could pay to throw a brick through a screen. And he was he was a kingmaker, and I I knew Steve. I've never asked Steve about working with, but now I got an idea of what it's like working with Howard Cosell. And yeah, the, the none, none of the stories are good from anybody in regards to it. Like ask Bob Co- or uh, Bob Costas, hated him, hated him for some of the oh, things that Costas. he said. So I don't about Costas a tornado. So oh, by the way, I. <clears throat> this leftover note from Champa Bay. Yeah. Now that's what they're calling it. Champa right, Bay. right. Champa Bay. Yep. <clears throat> that night, among everything that's going on, the Stanley Cup, which has a Twitter account, tweeted something. Okay, you kind of expect that. It's Stanley Cup's being awarded. However, this Twitter account tweeted something at Tom Brady. And he tweeted out, FYI, I'm too heavy to throw at Tom Brady. <laughs> That's what this is in Tampa Bay. To which Brady tweeted, well, Brady retweeted, IDK, everything feels a bit lighter after some tequila. 
<laughs> yeah, they're having another or... boat party on Monday, that, right, Stevie? Yes, that's right. He's I, he he plays it. He leans right into it. I'm loving this version of Brady. I, I do too. I, I it really bothers me that Tom Brady is so good at so many things, and then joined Twitter and is immediately great at that too. Like, come <laughs> on, man! Is, is there one thing that I can be better at him? That like, I mean, come on, ridiculous. Nope. He's got he's I great at golf. He's just you're a good runner, guys. studs. You're a good runner, about, man. I see. He how about field dressing? Than me how about field dressing um, varmint? Yeah. How about field dressing? I guarantee. I guarantee he would be better than that. Better. <laughs> like, I guarantee it. He's He's just one of those guys that like. I have a friend that's like this too. He just great at everything he does. Like, there's not a single thing he's bad at. He field dresses and cooks it on the spot and yes. eats it. Yes. And he's got vegetables to go with it. Yep. My turn? Yeah, your turn. All right, I got a quickie here. So this is a a deluxe music note here. This is from the the website The Delight, and it lists according to the Delight the top live band the top ten I'm gonna give you live bands of all time. All time, Stevie Sunshine. Um, number ten, U two. Number nine, Jimi Hendrix. Number eight, Bruce Springsteen. Number seven, Metallica. Uh, number six, Stone. I can't do it like you do it. Do it. Stones. That's it. Uh, number five, ACDC. Number four, The Whom. Number three. The Whom? The Whom. The Whom. The whom. Wait, I got the a whom. question. You're, we're reading, yeah. before we get to the big, the big, big finish. The tell. Based on what are the criteria? Based on what live bands? I don't know. On... I didn't read that close. <laughs> you saw they, a list. They, they, you're they all about. A, let me they put, put together a, a list. Yeah, they put together. Yeah, yeah. You know, I love my lists. Um, <laughs> yes, and by the way, do. let me put a list together. The podcast is back up and running. Um, but uh, but anyway, no, they would. They listed these and they gave like two or three paragraphs on each on why. So I didn't really want to get into all of that because okay. the time dictates that I shouldn't. So okay. the and and the, it's so subjective. That's why I'm kind of racing through it. But right. um, yeah. So number four, the Who. Number three, Pink Floyd. Number two, Led Zeppelin, and Trash Panda. Let's hear number one. Queen! The, according to the delight, Queen, the number one live band of all time. And uh, if you've seen the movie, Freddie Mercury was, or you didn't have to see the movie, maybe you just know Queen, Freddie Mercury, quite the showman. There's yep, no doubt they about were. that. But your guys, the, the Doors, I think, were like 14 on this list. My guys, Pearl Jam, were 17, so... Concerts stepped up their game far after the doors, and the and the Stones, to their credit, stayed with them. So Stones, there all right. Is. Well, who can argue with Freddie Mercury? There you go. All right, right we uh, we're we are going to thank you for listening to Saturday Suckage and what are you doing, Wagner, and what Mark heard and everything else, all the other nonsense. We suck, so you don't have to. We will now be bringing you. Part of an interview that Jed Hoyer did, he called up Lawrence Holmes and said, Lawrence, we need to talk. And Lawrence said, I'm here for you. And his microphone was open. So this was heard yesterday on The Score. Thank you. Be well. Be safe. And if nobody important listened, we'll be back with Saturday Suckage next week. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And we've got the president. 
of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs with us right now. Jed Hoyer joins me on the score hotline, which is presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Jed, I appreciate you picking up the phone, man. Thanks so much for joining me. No, anytime, anytime. All right, so what have the last two weeks been like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I said it yesterday. I think that, you know, it's been probably the most sort of professionally frustrating, you know, two weeks I can ever remember, you know. Um, I feel like, you know, we, we sort of started this this two-week period. You know, we had, we had a brutal June. I think we survived it fairly well. Um, we were still in first place. You know, we had a no-hitter. And then it's like the, just a extreme change of, you know, playing pretty well, surviving this brutal stretch and, you know, multiple West Coast trips and a single trip to New York. And, like, this month, it looked, looked like this gauntlet. We were surviving okay. And then, you know, we sort of got to mile 20 of that marathon and just fell apart. Um, you know, I feel like we lost a bunch of games that we had a chance to win. We just couldn't sort of get get a big hit at the right moment. And then we lost a, a bunch of games in – you know, pretty awful, you know, spectacular fashion where we end up, you know, having Eric Sogard pitching. So in the combination of the, you know, incredibly painful losses by one run, I think the, you know, the, the Eric Sogard pitching losses that are painful for, you know, non-competitive reasons. And then you take the totality of that and, you know, that equals up to an 11 game losing streak. I mean, I, it, with, with a group of players that are just, you know, simply too talented to have, an 11 game losing streak. And I think, you know, we had a 12 game losing streak, which was the longest we've had here, you know, in in 2012, you know, that was a a team that was, you know, that was rebuilding. That was, you know, sort of under talented and and you weren't entirely shocked that that could happen, but having an 11 game losing streak with a team uh, of this quality, the team that started at that, that stretch in first place, it was something that was, I mean, totally, totally unexpected and, and shocking. I think that it's fair for any Cubs fan to look and say, okay, I mean, there's probably going to be changes. But I also think, to be fair to you, I think that there's a huge difference between what you and Theo walked into when you got here versus where things are now. So so that I can more clearly state this, how would you say things are different now than what they were when you walked in the door? Yeah, well, I mean, I think when we walked in, in in 2012, you know, I think we 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 realized that this was going to be a really long process to get to get good, and we we just didn't feel like we had, you know, the right pieces together. We needed to sort of, you know gather a wave of, of prospects and, and bring in through slowly. And you know, to be honest, when we sort of embarked on that on that plan, and it wasn't the plan we had had going in, but it was more of the plan we we realized we needed needed to do once we assess things. You know, when we when we did that, you know, we we actually probably got through it faster than we thought. You know, I think we ended up being winning 97 games in, in 2015. I think that you know we would not have expected that at the time. We felt like we we're going through a a pretty long rebuilding process. And now I think with the you know with the the, the players we have and, and 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 stuff like that, I don't see any reason why this needs to be you know a long process like that. That was very that was very different. We didn't have any building blocks. Uh, on the team at that point that we knew about. Um, and so uh, it was a much longer process. I think now, uh, not only with um, what we have already internally, but also with, you know, the kind of trends in the game, you know, that's not something that we're about to embark on. How do you compartmentalize what the guys on your roster that will be coveted, uh, what they've done for this franchise versus how you go about trying to build the next great Cubs team? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to do what you just said. I think you have to com- compartmentalize it. And, and, and I think, you know, obviously we have a ton of guys that um, obviously did, did something that hasn't been done here, uh, hadn't been done here, you know, in 108 years. And I think that, you know, obviously you never want to lose sight of that. It's not only the World Series, but also just a lot of really competitive seasons and, you know, some really high highs and some, you know, obviously you know, tough losses in the playoffs or at the end of the year. But like this group, you know, as a, as a whole has been, you know, wildly successful. Um, and yeah, I think that you, you, you certainly want to honor what they've done. I think, you know, these are iconic players. I'm looking out at, you know, Gallagher way right now from my office and there's, you know, plenty of jerseys of, of guys that, you know, helped us win the world series and are our fan favorites, but ultimately, you know, m- my job is, you know, to do what I think is the right thing for, you know, the health of this franchise. And, you know, I, I want to make sure that we can build, that next great Cubs team. And I think when you look at, you know, um, service time of players, you know, we always talked about, you know, we had a window where we had these players that were young and inexpensive and they got more expensive through arbitration. And then some of these guys hit free agency. And, you know, realistically, we've been probably the most stable roster in baseball over the last seven years. We've had the same guys. That lack of turnover is really rare. And I think we have some inevitable turnover that's probably going to happen now with guys hitting free agency and guys getting, a little bit older, you know, we need to, it's a young person's game. We need to make sure we have a lot of young talent and we need to make sure that we're not afraid of roster turnover, you know, based on sentimentality. We have to think about you know, what, what is the right thing for this, this organization long-term. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.